Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Needless to say, you don't want to miss that. Those of you that are sitting there completely silent, you have no idea why everybody around you is shouting and cheering. Let me help you. They were there last year, and they don't want to miss that as well. How's everybody's new year? Is it good? Everybody's on the up and up? Are your smiles working today? I hear your hands are working. I'm going to need them both today. I had this thought thinking about this week. Have you heard the phrase, eyes to see, before? Having eyes to see. Jesus said something very interesting He said, having ears but not hearing and to see but not seeing. And it got me thinking, what's what's he talking about? We sing a song called Amazing Grace, right? I once was blind, but now I see. He wasn't talking about not being able to physically see. He was talking about being able to spiritually see. And I wonder if there's some things we can learn this new year, maybe God would give us eyes to see some things in the spirit that we hadn't seen in the physical thus far. Y'all ready to buckle in today? There's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6. There's a prophet named Elisha, and Elisha is going through, and during this time, there's a conflict between the king of Israel, that's where Elisha's from, and the king of Syria, and they're, they're fighting back and forth, lots of wars and lots of battles. And Elisha is a man of God. He's a prophet. He hears from God, and God's been giving him the inside scoop. So he's been telling the king of Israel things about the king of Syria and the Syrian army that's been helping him out. He's been saying things like, hey, don't go to that part. That's where the enemy's camped. Or he's about to show up over here. Don't go there. And Israel is winning this war, and the king of Syria is very aggravated. How in the world could somebody know our plans? And he thinks this to himself. He says, I think there's a spy in our midst. And so he starts looking for this spy, and the people in the Syrian camp tell him, no, no, it's not a spy among us. There's a man of God over there on the other side, and he's telling the king of Israel all your secrets. And as soon as the king realizes that there's a man of God over here that's telling him he's losing, he says, well, y'all go pick him up for me. I'm going to handle this guy. And we pick up in, in, chapter, in chapter 6, verse 14, and here's, here's what he says. He says, so he sent their horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God, this is Elijah's servant, when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. How many of you like to wake up to that? The enemy completely surrounding you. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he, being Elisha, said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Pause for just a second. Let me make sure if you're paying attention or not. How many are with Elisha and his servant? Two. How many are with the Syrian army that has surrounded them? A lot more than two. A lot more than two. And here's what Elijah's saying. The Elisha saw something differently than his servant 
did. Look at verse 17. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Please strike this people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance with the prayer of Elisha. So here's what happens. The servant wakes up, sees the enemy surrounded them, starts to freak out. Elisha looks out and says, That's nah, nothing. God opened his eyes to see what I see. Elisha was seeing something in the spirit that his servant was only seeing in the, in, in the physical. And as a result of this, he wasn't afraid at all. And I love this story. Here's how it actually ends. You've got this entire army blinded. And Elisha walks up to this blinded army and says, hey, let me help you. The guy that you're looking for, which was him, isn't here, but I'll take you to him. So Elijah leads the blind army into the camp of the Israel army, and they find themselves now being able to see, but completely surrounded by Israel's army. I mean, that's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing to do. I love that story for a couple reasons. One, it's a story of a battle. There are two armies, one army in the physical and another army in the spiritual. There's a story of the miraculous. He didn't have to lift a single finger, and an entire army was blinded just through prayer, and it's a story. Here's why I told it to you. It's a story of how one man saw something in the physical, but another man saw something in the spiritual, and how many of you realize that made all the difference? That made all the difference, and I know that there are a lot here today that are young in your Christian walk. Maybe you're new to Christianity. You haven't been born again very long. There may be even some here today that are just trying this thing out. You've been visiting for a couple weeks, and you're not sure this Christianity thing is going to work out for you. Here's my prayer for you, for both of you today, that you would have eyes to see that there's a very real spiritual reality, that this new year for you would give you eyes to see not just a physical world that we live in, but also a spiritual world that we live in as well. And I think if you can see the difference, it'll make all the difference in your new year. In fact, the Bible tells us that the spiritual world existed first before the physical world. Look at this, Genesis 1, verse 1 through 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. John 1, 1 through 4. Jesus is called the living word. Here's what the Bible says. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. One more place. This is Colossians. It's the Apostle Paul. He's speaking of Jesus. He says this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Look at this. Visible and what? Whether thrones or rulers or all things were created through him and for him. Here's my question for you. What do you suppose are those invisible things that were created? We can see thrones, but we can't quite see dominions. Could there be a spiritual authority that operates alongside earthly rulers that we can see? Here's what I want you to know. 
you and I were made to interact with both of those realities. Not just the physical reality, but the spiritual reality as well. I'd say it this way. You and I are eternally spiritual beings that are living a temporary physical existence here on this earth. We're eternally spiritual, but we're living a temporary physical existence. The Apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole, look at these three, spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he talking about, dude? He's talking, we have a spirit, a soul, and a body? My body is my flesh and my bones. It's the part of me that responds with sensory feelings like, like pain and pleasure. My soul is my mind, my will, and my emotions. It's the part of me that responds with feelings and reason. But I also have a spirit. It is the part of me made in his image that will live for eternity. I like to say it this way. I am a spirit. I have a soul, but I live in a body. I am a spirit. I have a soul, but I live in a body. My body and my soul are what the Bible calls the flesh man or the carnal man that's here. And here's what happens. My body and soul are the parts of me that interact with the physical world that I live in. My spirit is the part of me that interacts and is made to interact with the spiritual world that I was created for. Do you understand the difference? You understand the difference. Sin and your carnal nature will cause you to operate out of temporary physical appetites. You're, there's almost a warring on the inside between your spirit wants to do things that are spiritual, but your flesh, your body, your soul want to do things that make you feel good in the moment. Physical, temporary things. Romans 8.5 tells us this. Those who were motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. How many of you like to be motivated today to pursue some spiritual realities instead of these temporary physical things that our, our passions send us toward? Elijah's prayer that day for his servant is that he would have eyes to see what God was doing in the Spirit. But today for you and I, the enemy's strategy is to keep our eyes focused on the physical things so that we ignore the fact that there's a spiritual reality out there. Do you see the difference? If the enemy can keep us focused only on the physical, if we have eyes only to see the physical world around us, then we'll miss what God is trying to do in the spirit. I was watching this YouTube video a while back, probably a couple months ago at this point, and uh, this poor guy was standing in front of a group of friends. And he was wearing a motorcycle helmet, had the shade that come down. And here's what his friends, if you call them friends, were five guys standing behind him. They would take turns smacking him in the head. And he'd get startled. And here's his, he tried to turn around to guess which one of it, which one of the ones that was hitting him. And when he guessed wrong, he had to go back. And they just kept taking turns. And it was the funniest thing. It was actually kind of sad if you think about it. Here was this guy getting smacked around in the head, and he couldn't see the guy because he had this helmet on. And this went on and on. And if he guessed it right, then the guy who he guessed had to go wear it. And they just went on and on and on. And why I was watching this, I have no idea. But <laughs> it was kind of funny, but kind of sad watching this guy get hit over and over again. He never knew where the attack was coming from. 
And we laugh, but the reality is so true for so many Christians today. You're getting hit over and over again, thinking that it's a spiritual attack, not having the eyes to see that you're actually being attacked in the spirit. It's a spiritual attack that's taking place. When you become born again, when you're a Jesus-following child of God, you effectively enlisted into a spiritual battle, whether you knew it or not. Now, this battle isn't for your eternity. That is secure in Christ. You're in a battle for the type of life that you're going to live while you're here on earth. You're battling three enemies. You're battling your flesh, you're battling the world, and you're battling a very active enemy that exists. And many Christians struggle in Christianity, in this battle of Christianity, for this simple reason. They're trying to fight in the physical, never realizing that the battle takes place in the spiritual. It's like trying to bring a knife to a gunfight, and you're wondering why you're continuing to struggle over and over again. Wouldn't it be fair if you had some spiritual weapons to be able to fight in the spiritual battle instead of having to rely on physical weapons to maintain things in the spirit? That's what we want to talk about today. This quote by J.C. Ryle kind of brings it all to point. It says, the principal fight of the Christian is with the world, the flesh, and the devil. These are his never-dying foes. These are the three chief enemies against whom he must wage war. Unless he gets the victory over these three, all other victories are useless and vain. If he had a nature like an angel and were not a fallen creature, the warfare would not be so essential. Look at this. But with a corrupt heart, a busy devil, and an ensnaring world, he must either fight or be lost. Here's my prayer for you. I want 2024 to be the year that not only you have eyes to see this spiritual battle that you're a part of, I want it to be the year where you learn how to wield spiritual weapons in this war that you've been given so that once and for all you can put down your struggles with the flesh. I want you to be able to live above the traps and the snares of this world, and I want you to be able to overcome the devil's attacks on your life. There's a story of an old man who used to travel around, and he made money by betting on dog fights. He had a pair of dogs that he would travel with, and he would gather people around, and they would look, and the dogs were almost identical to look, to look at. One of them had a, a big brown spot on one side, and the other had a big white spot on the other. That's how they could tell them apart. And he would fight these dogs, and he would place bets, and the craziest thing would happen. Every time he bet, every time the dogs fought, he would win. The next day, he would fight the same dogs. He would bet on the different dog, and that dog would win. Nobody could ever figure out what was happening, and he'd travel around. That's how he's making his money. Finally, they caught on to him, and they realized, man, we're not betting anymore because you're always winning. How is it that you're winning? These dogs look the same, minus a couple of spots, yet you always seem to know which dog is winning. There are days where this same dog wins three days in a row, same dog, different dog wins four days in a row, every other day a different dog is winning, and you never lose the bet. How is it that you know? And finally, I think because he was so proud of himself, he spilled the beans and he told the secret, and he said this. It's very simple, y'all. The dog I feed is the one that wins that day. There are two dogs inside of you. One of them is your flesh, and the other is the spirit. And I got good news for you. You can know which one's going to win every single day if you'll feed the right one. And I want to help you. 
I want to help because it's, it's important. The enemy's plan is to keep you feeding your temporary physical appetites and ignore the things that feed your spirit. Because he knows if you start feeding your spirit, if you start living your life, eyes to see the spiritual world, you're going to catch on to the fact that he's using that spiritual world to attack you physically. But if he can keep you feeding those temporary physical things, you're going to be like that poor guy up here wearing the helmet, not knowing where he's getting beat up from. And I want to help you today. Are y'all with me? So how do we feed our spirits with eternal things? That's what I want to answer the question for you today. How do we feed our spirits? And I'll tell you this. It's through fasting. Through fasting. So I don't know, Pastor Don, what are you talking about? Some of you are nervous because you have no idea what fasting means. Some of you are more nervous because you know exactly what fasting means. <laughs> and you're saying, I, of all the Sundays to come to church, i got to listen to this one, talk about fasting. Here's what fasting is. Fasting is a discipline of choosing to refrain from a physical appetite and instead replace it with something that feeds you spiritually. If prayer connects you to God, fasting disconnects you from the world. Now, I could tell you stories all throughout Scripture. Moses, Elijah, Daniel, David, Esther, Nehemiah, Paul, Barnabas, even Jesus all fasted for spiritual breakthrough over physical circumstances that they, were, that they were in. I'm just telling you, if those guys did it, how many of you know we have something we can learn from that practice of fasting? Look at what Isaiah says fasting does for you. Isaiah says this, Is not the fast that I have chosen, look at the things that it does, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. How many of you have some things in your life you'd like to see broken off of you this year? Some things that have been weighing you down and heavy, and I just don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can keep going. I haven't been a Christian for very long, but Pastor John, this is so heavy. I'm telling you, you're carrying something that needs to be broken off of you. Fasting is going to do that. And look, it's not only that. It takes your eyes off of yourself. Verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. The same passage goes on to tell you there's actually even benefits to your body when you fast. Then your light shall break forth like the morning, verse 8 says. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear God. Talk about getting God's attention. Look at this, verse 9. Then you shall call, and what will happen? The Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. I don't know about you, but I want to hear from God in 2024. I want to reach out. I've been praying for some things, and I want to get his attention. Pastor, are you telling me? That fasting can disconnect me from the physical world and connect me to the spiritual world in a way that will get God's attention. I don't have to tell you that. God's word just told you that yourself. I used to think that fasting was this discipline for the spiritually mature. That maybe after a long time, 10, 15, 20 years of loving Jesus and serving God and, and walking with him, then you'd start fasting kind of as a mature thing to do. And I just... My mind was blown at the number of young Christians I've seen grow successfully in their Christian walk by starting this discipline of fasting. 
I love telling this story. I'm going to tell it every, every year until I'm probably 60, 75 years in ministry and can barely talk anymore. But I remember a couple years ago, Trent was brand new in his walk spiritually. And he came one Monday night looking for help, looking for prayer. And he caught Pastor Ryan, and they were having a conversation. And Trent was reaching out to him saying, hey, what can I do? I'm trying to work in this. I'm trying to grow in this. I'm trying to help, and I'm struggling in this area. And Pastor Ryan looked at him. I don't know why Ryan said this. I don't know why he started. I never would have started with this conversation, with this spiritual step, with this young man. But he did. He said, man, that's tough. I can see how that's a struggle for you. Listen, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to be fasting this week. Why don't you join me? Why don't you join me? He had to explain what fasting was. Trent didn't even know. He said, I'm going to be doing without some food on this day in the meal. And instead of eating, I'm going to be praying and asking God to move. Why don't you join me? And together we'll believe for you as we fast. Trent, not knowing any difference, said, sure. That's what the pastor says to do. I'm going to do it. He starts fasting. Wouldn't you know God starts moving in his life? He gets disconnected from some physical appetites and connects and starts to develop some spiritual appetites, and God starts moving in his life. It's about a week or so later, he's visiting with his mama, and, and she's having a hard time, kind of complaining about some things that are going on in her life. And he looks at her, and all he says is the same thing that Ryan told him the week before. He says, golly, Mom, that looks tough. Let me tell you something. I'm going to be fasting this week. Why don't you join me? The two of them start fasting together. Time goes by, short time later, he's driving a co-worker down to Fushan, and the guy starts seeing the work that's happening in his life and seeing this and starts opening up. Haven't you been with somebody and they just, they know there's something in your relationship with God and they just kind of open up to you? He was having one of those moments. The co-worker looked at him and, and starts opening up and Trent looks over at him and says the same thing. Man, that's tough. I can see how you're struggling with that. Listen, I'm going to be fasting this week. Why don't you fast with me too? I don't know how long it was before Trent started eating again, but I'm telling you, fasting made a difference in his life. And here's why I think that was the case. Fasting is not just starving. Anybody can do that. Fasting is this process where we refrain from food and replace with something else. Trent learned early on that I don't have to just wake up in the morning and read my Bible and then be done with it for the day, I can fast a meal and read my Bible while I'm fasting. I can set aside a meal at lunchtime and take that time that I would normally be feeding my face and feed my spirit by praying. I saw God develop this habit inside of Trent through Bible reading and prayer that came because of his commitment to fasting. And it's probably one of the fastest I've seen those habits take forth. I won't forget the time he caught me in the foyer. Spiral notebook written all kinds of things that he had read. Pastor Don, did you know the Bible says this? Yeah. Yeah, but did you see where it said this as well? And it, Yeah. There was a hunger inside of him, not for food, but for the spiritual things that God has been putting inside of that. And I have never since then missed an opportunity to help a young person in their faith Learn how to develop the spiritual maturity of fasting, because I'm telling you, it will make the difference. Have I piqued your interest enough? Some of you are like, Pastor, I don't care what you're saying. I'm not, I got to have my food. Listen, let me follow you. <laughs> Primarily, fasting involves food. I'm going to talk you through several different fasts, because here's what we're doing. This next week, we're entering into a corporate fast, and I want you to be able to participate with us. 
Primarily, it involves refraining from food, but there are different types of fasting as well. Here's, here's the first type, non-food fasting. What do you mean, Pastor Don? You refrain from maybe watching sports or television, social media. You know I'm a fan of that. Or other time-consuming affections that replace, your, that replace time with prayer and Bible reading. In other words, there are good things that are a part of your life, but they're just not God things. You may need to start there. Medically, you may be unable to do without food, or maybe dietary restrictions prevent you from doing that. There are ways that you can step out of physical appetites and into spiritual appetites and help grow with them. Now listen, non-food fasting is not in Scripture. They didn't know about basketball games and the Final Four and the National Championship and all of those things. They didn't know about Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and all of those kind of things. I've done those in my life, and I have seen what a marked difference that can make when I take something that may be good but isn't God and I replace it with something that God wants me to grow in. I want to challenge you to do the same thing. There are other types of fasting as well. One of them is called the Daniel fast. You may not be able to go without food, but maybe you can shift the types of food that you eat. It's called the Daniel fast because the Bible tells us a story of how Daniel refused to eat things that were contrary to his faith. And instead, God used things like fruits and vegetables to help him, sustain him during that time that he was consecrating to God. A Daniel fast is where you set aside things like maybe you don't do meat or wine or delicacies, and instead, you're you're avoiding sugar and you're eating fruits and vegetables. Remember, replace your eating with prayer and Bible reading. If you don't, it's just a diet. It's just a diet. It's not going to make a difference. Then there's the food fast. What's a food fast? It's liquid only. I would encourage you to start maybe with just 12 hours a day or one meal a day, you know, to to fast that and set that aside and and grow in that. Some of you, that's not a problem. Say, Pastor John, I don't eat breakfast anyway. You're just starving yourself. You're not fasting unless you're humbling yourself and taking on that opportunity to grow, refrain and replace. And then also another way we see in the Bible is called an absolute fast. That's no food and no liquids whatsoever, maybe just water. Now, that's Elisha, that's Moses. I don't recommend that you proceed with that type of fast unless you consult your medical professional, but God may be doing that in you for this season to set aside those things. You say, well, Pastor Don, What are the things that I could replace a meal with or what are some things I could do instead of the time that I was spending? You'd be amazed how much time you spend eating. You want to talk about a way to make your day go long? Just sit there and look at the clock while that lunch hour is passing by. I want to help you be successful in this. What are some ways that you can replace a meal? One, you can replace it with more Bible reading. Two, you can replace it with extra prayer. Three, you can replace it with a time of worship. Put on some music like we worship to today and just spend that time worshiping. And you can also spend that time serving other people. Those are all ways that you can disengage from physical appetites and step into spiritual ones. Now, I know this. It's a challenge to try to step out and do something like this all by yourself. So that's why we take this entire week And we want to commit to do it with you. I'm not having this conversation with you individually. I'm having this conversation with all of us. I want all of us to step into this season 
of prayer and fasting. And here's one of the things that we're going to do so that we all get to do this together. We start every year with a week of prayer and fasting. What does that mean, Pastor Don? Every uh, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, and Friday night of this coming week, January 8th through the 12th, we're all going to meet back here for one hour of prayer, starting at 6 o'clock and ends at 7. Many of us will be fasting meals. We'll be fasting different types of food. We will have this habit of this process of refraining and replacing. And when we meet together, we're going to have a time of corporate worship. We're going to have a time where we pray over the prayer cards that get turned in. We're going to be strengthened and encouraged. We're going to pray together for our community. And you're going to be amazed at how quickly this week goes by when you're connected to things of the Spirit and not to the things physically. And I want to ask you to join us this week. It's a format very similar to we do every Monday night growing in prayer. I promise you this. You're going to grow spiritually if you participate with us. All right. Here's the second thing that we do to encourage this type of connection. We start every year with three days of spiritual renewal. Three days of spiritual renewal. What are, what are, we, what are we talking about, Pastor Don? We gather some of the best communicators that we know all across the country, and bring them here. We're going to be in person in Opelousas, in person in Lafayette, in person here in New Iberia, bringing these guys to come and to help us get the year kicked off, focused on God, and ready to take on the new year. Our Broussard campus and our Abbeville campus are joining us here. Okay, now we're starting at 6.30. Look at me. If you show up at 6.30 or 6.35, or 6.40, you might be sitting in the foyer because they know you show up and they're coming early. So I want you guys to show up. Doors will open at 6. Child care will be provided. We've got guest worship leaders for every single day coming. It is amazing, and you don't want to miss it. There's only one way to make spiritual renewal more powerful for you in 2024, and it's this. Participate in this week of prayer and fasting going into it. I'm telling you, those who participate in spiritual renewal and they show up because they like the speakers and they like the worship and they like the church service, but don't engage and grow spiritually that week before you're leaving something on the table. I want to encourage you, be here and walk with us. How many of you think, I can do something extra spiritually this year that I haven't done before to grow in my relationship? Let me see your hands. I'm looking and making a mental note of everybody that doesn't have their hand raised. So when you call me in February wanting pastoral counseling, I can remind you, you missed an opportunity to engage in that. Seriously, I want to encourage every one of you. If this is your church, you say, Pastor Don, you're my pastor. Would you do this? Would you take a step? Would you find something to disconnect from physically so that you can connect spiritually? CJ said it earlier, and I believe this. 2024 will be your best year if it's your best year Spiritually, I want us to start off with eyes to see what God could do. How many of you excited about this next year? Many of you know I have a pastor. His name is Jacob Aranza. Pastor Jacob um, has founded this church and has been leading us and leads all the campuses that we have. But my pastor has a pastor, and his name is Pastor Jim LaFoon. God speaks to him prophetically, and he has a word that he wants to share with us and encourage us for a few minutes. We recorded it so you could see it 
secondhand. You ready? I want, I want to turn this to the screen so you can pay attention. Think about your 2024. As we come to the end of 2023, I want to wish my Our Savior's family a happy 25th anniversary. 26 years ago, I sat with your pastor, your pastors, Jacob and Michelle, and told them I believe you all should start a church. Here we are today, thousands of people saved, amazing church, campuses everywhere. But I want to tell you as we look into 2024, you've only just begun. When I look at the next 10 years, 20 years, what God has for you is truly amazing. It seems like just yesterday I was sitting in Appaloosa. In fact, it was two years ago I was sitting in Appaloosa. And it was the first weekend in December. And as I was with Eugene and Heidi in the green room, I saw the foot of God come down from heaven. God gives me impressions sometimes. And I thought, man, what is happening? And God's foot hit an accelerator. And he told me two years ago um, that the church was coming into a massive time of acceleration that would last for 36 months. And that God would accelerate the church in America and prepare it for a great revival. Now, when we come to the next presidential election in 2024, that is the beginning of the 36th month the Lord showed me. When we come out of that, if I see it correctly, there will be a fresh infusion of God's power and spirit, which will shake our country and touch it by his power and touch it by his spirit. I know it's been hard, economy shaken, country polarized, wars in Ukraine, wars in the Middle East. Let me tell you, do not be afraid. God has allowed the world to be shaken to create new hunger for God. And may I tell you, as you come to the next end of the next year of 2024, yes, there'll be interesting shakings in the year. There always are. But God's spirit is going to propel this church and by the time he's done, he'll propel you at a speed you've never known. New sites, new campuses, more people saved. God is going to drench you in the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, there's an interesting verse in Hosea 13, 14. It talks about the pangs of childbirth. And it says that Israel was like an unwise son because when the pangs of childbirth came, they were so afraid, they were so broken, they were so hurt, they would not come to the end of the birth canal. What does that mean? Many times when the world is shaking, it's easy to become insecure, frightened, scared, wondering. But the very shakings that come to our world, there are times when they're divine birth pains, that God is getting ready to birth something new on the earth. And that's where we are. He's coming to save our country. He's coming to help our country. How do you and I respond to this? What do we do? Well, first, it's a time of fresh consecration. As you come into 2024, offer yourself to God like never before. You go, well, Pastor Jim, why is that important? Like, what can I really do? May I tell you, beloved, as the presence of God comes to your church, 
Your prayers are so important. You know, when you talk about creating rain, there's a thing called seeding the clouds. And prayer seeds the clouds of God's presence to bring rains of revival and evangelism. As you sow your time into OSC, as you serve, it's so important. As you sow your talent, your gifts, your calling, your treasure, your finances, you're creating moments for God to move. I know it's been a rough few years from COVID to the economy. What the enemy is meant for evil, God is meant for good. And he is coming to propel this church by his power, to propel this church by his spirit. OSC, you're 25 years old and you're only in the beginning of what God wants to do. He is going to use you in astonishing ways, saving people, planting churches, new campuses, transforming lives. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for my OSC family. I thank you that their greatest days are ahead. Lord, that you're going to drench them in your spirit. You're gonna propel them forth with evangelism they will not be able to count the hundreds of men and women that are saved in the years to come, even thousands. You're going to bless them. And right now, on the cusp of a fresh outpouring of your spirit, we offer ourselves to you. We offer our time to you, our talent to you, our treasure to you. We present ourselves to you, and we thank you for what you're doing. It's an honor to have served this church for 25 years. It's an honor to be family with you. You've only just begun to see the astonishing things that God has for you. Thank you very much. In that same attitude, I don't want to miss a very important opportunity, maybe the most important opportunity for your 2024. I want to give you an opportunity, like we do at the end of every single one of our services, for you to respond to what God may be speaking to you and, and asking of you. We've been talking today about you and I being eternally spiritual beings, living a temporary physical existence here on earth. We're living in this world but we don't have to be of this world. And I need you to understand you weren't made for this world either. Look what Jesus said. I saw this this week in preparing John chapter 8. Jesus is speaking to a group of unbelievers, people that don't have a relationship with God. And here's what he says, chapter 8. He says, he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world I am not of this world. You see the difference, what he's communicating? Then just a few chapters later, I find Jesus saying this. He's now praying for disciples, those that are following him. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And I got to thinking, wait a minute. You mean to tell me that I can go from being 
of the world and not where Jesus is to being of the same place that Jesus is from and not of the world that I was born into? Look at me. Yes. Yes, you can. There is a possible way because of Jesus for you to go. One day Jesus said, you are not of, the, you are not of my world. You are of this world. To then one day saying, the world hates you because like me, you're not of this world. And I got to thinking, man, we talked about having eyes to see this very real spiritual reality. In John chapter 3, Jesus is having a conversation with a very religious man. This is a man who grew up in church. Everybody that knew him would have said, this is the guy that knows what God's up to. And Jesus is having a conversation with this man who was stuck in his religion, stuck in his own way, stuck in the church that he grew up, and he was having a hard time with some of the teachings that Jesus was saying. Jesus said this. He said, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. That's not a Catholic word. That's not a Protestant word. That's not an Our Savior's Church word. That's not even a Pastor Don word. That is a Jesus word. And here's what that describes. That describes that moment in time, that process where you go from being spiritually dead and of this world to being spiritually alive and no longer of this world. And you say, well, what's the difference, Pastor Don? How do we go from one to the other? I would tell you it's as simple as A, B, C. A's admit. You have to admit that you are a sinner, that your choices, your life, the way you've been living has separated you from a righteous and loving God. You have been pursuing your own physical appetites instead of engaging in the spiritual realities for which you were created. B stands for believe. What do I need to believe? You need to believe that God sent his son Jesus to die for you to live the life that you could never live, to pay a debt you could never pay. And he did so sinlessly. How did he do it? Using the spiritual weapons that God gave him, the spiritual reality that he was a part of. A is admit, B is believe, C is confess. C is confess. What do I confess? You confess him as Lord and Savior. You confess that your desire is for the things of the Spirit, not of the things of this world. And if you can do those, if you can admit, if you can believe, and you can confess, God has promised through his son Jesus and the sacrifice that he made that you get to step out of this world and into the spiritual reality that you were created for. Let me invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. You weren't made for this world. That's why you don't fit. That's why things aren't fair and that things happen. This side of eternity, it will never be perfect. Sin has taken care of that. But I promise you this, with a relationship with Jesus, your physical life will never be the same because you'll have a brand new spiritual reality that you can walk in. And my prayer for you today is that God would give you the eyes to see, eyes to see where you're struggling, eyes to see how you've been trying to do it on your own, eyes to see how you can't get there apart from God's grace. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I've never raised my hand to be born again. I've never acknowledged Jesus as my Lord 
and Savior, but I see my shortcomings. I see my sin and how that has kept me pursuing physical appetites instead of the spiritual reality that you're talking about. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I'm ready to confess him as Lord and Savior of my life. If you're here today and you'd like me to pray with you to be born again, I want to ask you to do this one simple thing. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not trying to embarrass you in any way, but I want to know who I'm praying with today. I want to know who God is speaking to. I want to know who's wanting to respond to what he's doing in your heart and in your mind this year. I'm going to ask you to do this one thing right there where you are. Everybody's head is bowed. Everybody's eyes closed. Nobody's looking around. I want you to raise your hand and look up at me. I want you to raise your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. You too. I'm glad you're here. God brought you here today. I see your hand too. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. You too, I'm proud of you. I see your hand. It's going to make a difference, not just in your life, but in the life of that little one that you're holding as well. Eyes to see. Both of you, I see your hands. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. I see your hand too. I see you. I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand there in the back, up in the balcony. Yeah, I see you. I see you too. I see you all the way at the end of the balcony. If you raise your hand, you can place them down. If you missed your opportunity to raise your hand, I don't want you to think that you've missed it. I want to ask one more time before we pray. Pastor Don, I didn't raise my hand before but I'm ready to be born again. I need those spiritual eyes to see what God is doing in my life. Right now, very quickly, before we move on, raise your hand so I can pray with you. I see your hand. I'm glad I asked. I see you. Yes, sir. I see you. You can put your hands down. Those of you that... Raise your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. God, his Holy Spirit has, has saved you today. But this prayer acknowledges the decision that you're making right now. Matter of fact, I want to ask all of us to say this prayer out loud together. Say this with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt. And you died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. And I declare that God is my Father, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is my helper, and heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, let's celebrate with those who were born again.